you two want to come here or are you just going to stay over there? It's that social distancing thing, right? <laughs> Except they're sitting right next to each other. So and that doesn't work that way. <laughs> There's social distancing in pairs. I like it. That way they're not lonely. <laughs> wow. Such incredible days that we live in, right? My goodness. Spread of COVID-19, uh, what's now known as a pandemic, a coronavirus, has brought the world to a screeching halt. Trips canceled. Work, workers sent home, schools closed. Uh, many churches are not meeting because of, oh, buildings falling apart. <laughs> not your fault, Josh, it's okay does that ever so often. Um, Wow, what a day. What a day. I'm grateful that uh, we can meet, and who knows, we may not meet next Sunday. We'll see what the Lord is saying and what the authorities suggest and give instructions to. We want to be in keeping with helping uh, and uh, honoring and respecting the the rule of law. Um, But for this day, the elders decided that we would continue to meet. And there are many who are watching on live stream and that's cool also. Uh, We have some visitors here today from another church who are not meeting. They're a very large church. And so those probably, it's wise for them not to gather. So we're delighted to have you guys with us. We're just a spiritual family. So we're very casual about how we do life here. But as the screeching halt has occurred, uh, things have gotten serious. And just 11 hours ago, As of 11 hours ago, there were 157,242 cases of COVID-19 with 5,844 deaths reported worldwide. By my calculations, that's a 3.7% death rate. Now, I may be wrong, but I have a calculator, so that's my basis of it. There's so much being said right now, and I want to be very clear about my role today. I am not a scientist. I am not an epidemiologist. I don't even play one on TV. I am not a politician. I am not a pundit. I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I come to you and here this morning simply as that, not an expert, But as one who brings good news, that is the call of God upon my life, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, with his grace and strength, and I trust his revelation, that's what we will attempt to do today. But with all of that, I have good news for you. I have good news for you. That in spite of all the things that we are facing, including... um, including fearful paralysis and hysterical overreaction and even prudent steps that are being taken, including all of those things, there is still hope. And there is a better way to live. And as Jim Rector shared with me yesterday, we have unparalleled opportunities to reveal just how good the good news really is. God in his mercy is helping people everywhere focus on life's most valuable issues. 
And he is a very present help in time of trouble. I love what Jim was hearing yesterday and as he shared it with me, it just bore witness with me. The thing that I've been mindful of is that this is showing the world its greatest deception. That being, we think we're in charge. We're not. For followers of Jesus, panic should never been be our MO. It should never be the way that we go about our lives. We don't live like that anymore. And when we do and we're susceptible to it, we need to come to the Father and find an adjustment in the way we're doing life. Prudence, I'm all for it. Panic, I'm not. You see, our trust is not in our ability to control circumstances or to prevent anything. Our trust is not in our financial portfolio that has been taking a hit for the last two weeks in the stock market. Our trust is not in our social distancing or in our flattening of curves or in wearing an N95 masks or in increased testing or in physical good health. Our trust is not in any of those things. As beneficial and as wise as many of those things may be, our trust is in the same trust that was for King David, a man that we've been studying for several months. And he said it this way, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Just let that set for you just a minute. Let it set in you. Where is it that we can be prone to put our trust? We might say it this way, some trust in hand sanitizer and some trust in the stockpile of their toilet paper. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. That's more than just word. That's more than just a phrase. It's more than just an edict even in the Bible. It is the very fiber of how we live our lives. Our trust is not in ourselves, in what we can do, in what we can produce, in what we can muster up. Our trust is in someone that is completely outside of who we are. He is the creator and he is a good father. He is God. And we trust in his name, not in anything else. It's not that hand sanitizer and toilet paper aren't good things. I watched Scott and Stephanie bring in like four cases of toilet paper earlier this morning because she's been shopping all over town for it. She buys the supplies for our church building. And uh, so as she brought it in, we had an armed guard walking them into the building <laughs> for fear that some of you might get an idea and try to snatch it. It's not that those things are bad. I mean, chariots and horses were a good idea for King David too. He used them. It's not like he didn't have them. He just said he didn't trust in them. We, we can have hand sanitizer and, and we should have toilet paper, but we don't place our trust in the things we can have. We place our trust in the one who gave them to us. We don't put our trust in his provision. We put our trust in the provider. Now, something 
uh, that has helped me as I've ministered outside of this country is that I have realized that American Christians and the American church has gotten accustomed to feeling like they're in power and that they're secure. It doesn't really require us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, when we have so many resources at our disposal. But I promise you, you go to a nation where they're not sure where the next meal will come from, and they know what it means to pray, give us this day our daily bread. When we have felt so secure and so powerful, this moment makes us feel vulnerable and powerless. And that's not a bad thing. That may be God's greatest gift to us in this hour. That we would have a readjustment, a realignment back to the realities of who we are and whose we are. That we don't do it apart from him. We do it because he made it possible. God is offering us this great opportunity of of growth and witness to others. Jesus has given us explicit instructions that we are to be the light of the world. And is there any greater moment than being a light when things seem so dark? It is this moment, for this moment, that we may have been born. Think about that. You could have been born for this very moment. Now, how are you living it? What is, what is, what is controlling you or, or influencing you? Is it God and his word or is it your fear and your panic? Throughout history, we have had incredible examples of Jesus' followers stepping into the darkness as the light of the world because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And we've seen this throughout history. If you're a a student of history, you've probably heard some of the stories I'm going to share with us today. Like in 260 AD, there was a plague that was in the Roman Empire, and it was causing mass exodus from virtually every Roman city because you see, as you were concentrated in a geographical area, in an urban area, that's where you were more likely to catch what was spreading. And so people were fleeing the cities, but Christians were known to have actually run back into the city to take care of those who were ill, those who were dying. It was such an impact in the city of Athens in particular that Dionysius, the first bishop of Athens, wrote this in a letter uh, honoring Easter in 260 AD. He wrote this. Most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another, heedless of danger. They took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. It was for these kinds of reasons that just decades later, the Roman emperor conceded, Though he tried to snuff out and extinguish every Christian in Rome, he conceded that he could not stop the rapid growth of the Christian faith. And he said this, he said, because Christians treat Rome's poor, sick, and vulnerable with more care and compassion than we do. He, as the leader trying to snuff out the movement, realized it was inevitable that the movement would overtake them. All because they loved 
and they were compassionate and they ran towards the problem rather than away from it. Of course, the world has seen many other plagues. We think this is the most serious thing to have ever happened. (laughs) Boy, we haven't been a student of history if that's what we think. We've seen plagues throughout history and one of the worst in the 14th century, we call it bubonic plague, was known as the Black Death. It was so dark and so horrific. When a, when, a, when a patient was contracted with bubonic plague, it was normally two to seven days before they died. And it was horrific what happened to the body. It killed between 75 million and 200 million people in Europe and Asia. It, it was so horrific that Complete villages, families, communities, tribes were just wiped out completely. Well, about 100 years later, it reemerged and it passed through Europe in Wittenberg where Martin Luther was as a pastor. You've heard of Martin Luther, Reformation Day, he nailed the 95 Thesis onto the front door of the church. He is a great hero of the faith for many of us. And like in the days of Dionysius, he knew that people were running from the cities. When the plagues hit the cities, like it did in Wittenberg, people would run to the countryside. And so a fellow pastor wrote him and asked if it it was permissible for a Christian to flee a deadly plague. And Luther wrote an amazing letter that I encourage you to look up. You can find it online. And he answered it with this is a portion of it. I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, fumigate, excuse me, fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order to not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me, and I have done what he has expected of me, and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. Listen to this. But if my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor, nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. The same thing is happening today in China. The epicenter of the COVID-19 breakout is in Wuhan. Did I say that right? Wuhan, right? We've all maybe seen the alternative forms of greeting in Wuhan They do the Wuhan shake, which is basically they tap their feet. But in Wuhan, it's been reported that Christians from the very beginning have been out passing out masks and sharing the love of Christ and saying to people, it's because Jesus loves you that I'm here giving this to you. The World Magazine reported that members of one of the Chinese churches in that region ministered to medical personnel. They delivered food and supplies to quarantine families. And one lady who was visiting Wuhan for the Chinese New Year, who contracted COVID-19 and was one of the first casualties, they led her to the Lord just a few days before she died. 
They led her to the Lord because her son, who she was visiting, was a part of that church. She came to Christ. They ministered to her as she passed away, and then they live-streamed her memorial service because there was no way to get the body out of the region so that her family from other places could witness it. This is what Christians do. These are the things that we do, not because we are brave, but because we love, because he first loved us. We do this because God, through Jesus Christ, has done so much for us. How can we not lay down our lives for another? For he has laid down his life for us. I wonder what the American church would do if faced with this, like the Chinese church has done. I pray to God that the purifying power of his spirit would cleanse our hearts and motives that we would be true to God's word and not just simply be Christians in name only. May we love like the Lord has loved us. We can't flee the city. We don't run to the countryside. Rather, we run to whatever God calls us to. As COVID-19 spreads, how will we react? What will we do? First, and this has already been said in many, many ways today, I hope we will not panic. I hope that panic and fear are not the driving forces that are in our lives. That worry does not consume us. You see, the scripture tells us King David's son, Solomon, wrote this. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Jamie mentioned that earlier when he was speaking. If you faint when the time comes for adversity, then your faith was never that big in the first place. These days are faith-increasing days. They're not faith-decimating days. They are faith-increasing days. Let the adversity cause your faith to be secured. As God's people, we are governed by faith, not by fear. How many times does the scripture tell us, fear not, Jesus said it, angels said it, God is constantly telling us, don't be afraid. Now that tells us something right there, that there's something out there that most people are afraid of. It tells us that what we're facing would most oftentimes cause fear. So that God has to say through his own voice or his son or an angel, fear not, tells us we're in good company when we're afraid. But we can't stay in our fear and we can't be dictated by it. Worrying won't change our circumstances and it won't cure us of an infection. I strongly encourage us, every time we find ourselves worrying, stop and pray. Just use it as a trigger. The moment that you become aware, I'm worrying about that, just stop. Just stop it and pray. I mean, why do we continue down the path of worry? It produces nothing. And most of the time, what we're worrying about doesn't come to pass. But it doesn't stop us from worrying. 
as if somehow we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders. Worry produces nothing. Faith changes circumstances. So every time you find yourself worrying about, will there be toilet paper at the store? Pray. Maybe God wants you to use other sources of paper. I don't know. Maybe God wants to take you to a different store that you've never been to because you're going to meet somebody and encourage them while you're buying toilet paper. I don't know. Maybe God wants you to meet your neighbor and see if you can borrow a roll of toilet paper. Good point. I guess it's not borrow. Conscript of roll of toilet paper. I strongly encourage us not to panic, but pray in every circumstance where you find yourself gripped, what am I going to do with my kids? They're at home all the time. Pray. Pray. You may be praying all day long. That's okay. What am I going to do? I can't go to work. What if they lay me off? It's a real serious thought, isn't it? Pray. Stop worrying and turn to the Father and pray. This is my strongest encouragement to us that we would be people of prayer, not people of worry. I want to know this. What do other people see in me? When they think of me, do they think of me as a worry wart or as a prayer warrior? Now you ask yourself, maybe if you want to be brave, ask others, how do you see me? Do you think I'm nervous and worry a lot? Do you think I'm prone to be fearful? Do you think that I succumb to my anxieties about the unknown? I'm not saying to have mind over matter. I'm saying we get what we need from God in prayer to overcome the fear and worry and anxiety that we face. So be a prayer warrior, not a worry wart. But if you're going to worry about something, worry about this. How well are you doing at loving people? I don't mean worry. I mean, concern yourself with this. How well are you doing at loving others? The psalmist writes, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Trust in the Lord and do good to others. Dwell there. Don't run from the city to the countryside. Dwell there and befriend faithfulness. Let people know that your trust in God has produced in you abilities to do good to them and to dwell amongst them and to be a faithful friend. And the apostle Peter reminds us to press on in the midst of every kind of evil, be it a pandemic or just a, a, a drought or a maddening day of traffic in Atlanta, whatever the case may be, to do and press on in the midst of those evils. He said this, it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. This is the opportunity to demonstrate, as Jim said, just how good the good news really is. And, and the world is watching. They, they really are Though many of them may sneer at the call to pray, and many may call us science deniers, 
Those who are most vulnerable and at need, they're looking for the church to be the church. They're looking for us to be the light that Jesus intended us to be. They're looking for a faithful presence of a people who say there is more than what you see, there is more than what you experience. God is really in charge. Let me me introduce him to you. The world is looking for that. Now, I want to be very clear. I want you to not hear that I'm just saying be foolish and not think that I'm telling you to do things unwise. We should not be reckless and we should not be unwise or imprudent. God's word never discourages, or excuse me, encourages careless risk. And it never really wants us to have glad-hearted invitation for suffering. Oh, send it my way, I can't wait. He's not asking us to do that. But when it comes, we need to be faithful in the midst of it. And he has asked us to obey him. Loving the vulnerable doesn't mean we intentionally infect ourselves. In fact, it may mean that we need to stay clear in order not to inflict that upon other people. We understand the rationality and the science behind why they're asking us to go home and stay there. My only beef with that is what is God saying to us in the midst of it? Because there are times that God is going to ask of us something that doesn't line up with what the authorities are saying. And if that's the case, I want to be obedient to God and not to a suggestion that came from the governor or president. I didn't get any amens there, but that's okay. I want you to remember, Luther fumigated. He fumigated. He took medicine. That's what he said. He did not expose other people. He said he was prudent about those things. But when he found opportunity to love, he loved aggressively. And nothing stopped it. No one stopped him from loving when he knew that he needed to be in that moment. He trusted himself to God and said, Lord, I belong to you. That's what we need to do. So how should we live? Well, with wisdom and prudence. Wash your hands. You should have been washing them already. In fact, I want to know, as my wife's boss told her, why is all the soap gone? Does that mean nobody was washing their hand in the first place? (laughs) It's scary, isn't it? Wash your hands. Yeah, that's a really prudent idea. Stay home if you're sick. Definitely. There are some who have told me that they have certain symptoms. They don't think that, that this is the coronavirus. But just out of an abundance of caution, they're choosing to stay home. And that's, that's as it should be. Reduce your exposure, most definitely, especially to those who are the most vulnerable among us. But I want to remind you, As I said to you in the letter that I sent out to our church family on Friday, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's not given us that kind of spirit. What he has given us is a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind or self-control, self-discipline. He's wanting us to stay in the game, not lose it because we're out of it. 
And as we prudently live our lives, I encourage you not just to ask how to stay healthy, but also ask, how can I help the sick? Are those that are around me inflicted? Are there areas where I could actually be engaged in through prayer, fellowship, helping where I can? Don't just ask, how do I stay healthy? Let's pray for those who are not. And instead of stockpiling food and toilet paper and hand sanitizer, take a care package of those things over to your neighbor and leave it at the doorstep. Going through the Starbucks line this week, I found myself, the guy, I love these guys, they, they serve my coffee every morning. And, uh, and Austin is always, he knows me by name. I pull up to the drive-in, drive-through, and he's like, hey, Chris, you want your normal, your regular? Yes, that's what I want. And I know I'm a Starbucks snob, I'm sorry. I used to not be, but I am, you know. It's my mission field now. So I, I did that, and I said, I, I do, Austin. So I pulled up, and as I got up the front, the Lord said, give him everything in your wallet. <laughs> really, Lord? He was kind of blown away with an 80-buck tip. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying, what a better, is there a better way to just love somebody practically right now? He's probably concerned whether his job is secure or not. I don't know. I just respond to what the Lord said for me to do. Now, I, th I think that's what we all have to be doing. We could be loving intentionally. Instead of worrying about whether our Publix has got what we need, Take what somebody else needs and give it to them. Deliver groceries to them. As you wash your hands, ask God to wash our hearts. That's what I'm doing each time I'm washing those 25 times a day. I never wash my hands so many times. I'm saying, Lord, cleanse my heart. Cleanse our hearts. Purify us, Lord. We need you. We need you to move in our nation. And if this is your way of getting our attention, so be it. Even so, come Lord Jesus. As you're buying cleaning supplies, ask God for more of the Holy Spirit to overcome fear and to walk in his spirit. As you ponder how your job will be impacted, ask how you can bless somebody else who already has been. See how you can bless somebody else. See where you can be a giver, not a worrier, not a taker. Ask God to continue to show you that you really do rely upon him for everything you need. I know we think we have a job and it's secure and we have a retirement and we have a house and we have a savings account. Do you know that can all be gone like that? Just look at your stock portfolio. Look at your 401k. If you don't have either one of those, just turn on Fox Business or CBN, whatever it is. Instead of worrying about your job, see how you can rely upon him to provide everyone in your needs. And let's become people of prayer. Let's become people that instead of worrying, we pray immediately. Pray for every country and region and people group that is impacted by this virus. Pray that God would prevent its further spread. Pray that people's hearts would be softened and turned to him. Pray that the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon all the nations of the earth. 
Pray that revival would come in our nation, in this city, with our leaders. And pray that the, the healing power of God would come to those that are afflicted by this virus. I hope we as followers of Jesus will reject fear and panic and self-preservation. Go ahead and fumigate, but don't you dare stop loving. Go ahead and take the medicine, but make sure your neighbor has his. Go ahead and stockpile, I guess. But share what you have with others who have need. We live as light as Jesus is the light of the world. Then the light will shine brightly in the midst of darkness and chaos and panic and hysteria. And what are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And the reason I'm stable right now is not because I'm brave and strong and noble, but because he's bigger than my problems. I close with this reminder out of Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or pandemic or COVID-19? No. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Forgive us, Father, where we have worried rather than prayed. Forgive us where we've panicked rather than come to you and asked how we should respond. Forgive us where we have added to the darkness rather than been the light. Forgive us where we have been concerned for self-preservation or how it might impact us when what you've asked us to do is to love our neighbor as ourself. Lord, get our priorities straight. We confess to you that we have been people who claim to trust in the name of the Lord our God. But really, we've had some pretty amazing chariots and horses Those chariots have run really fast. Those horses have been really strong. And we've relied upon them in ways that we were supposed to be relying on you. When we pray things like, give us this day our daily bread, we've said it with our mouths, but our stomachs have been filled with a stockpile of food that's been there for months. But whether we have abundance 
or we have very little, you are still the source for everything we have. And you are the one that has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Forgive us, O oh God, for not being salt and light in a community that is dying and darkened. And help us in this day to see it as opportunity to live the gospel and to show them just how good the good news is. This is not an insurmountable day, for we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And help us to live like it, not in fear or panic or, or holed up in our house somewhere, or locked up in our basement. Help us to live aggressively in the love of Christ and to demonstrate that to all those that you lead us into. Help our church, our little spiritual family, God, to just be faithful in this day. To be faithful, God, with the little things, our neighbors loving them, speaking words of faith, hope, and encouragement, blessing people, giving encouragement wherever we can. Help us be faithful in this day, I pray. We ask these things, and for all those who are affected by this, Lord, by those that are actually sick today, those that have lost loved ones, nations who have been shut down, regions that have been decimated. Lord, we pray for your mercy and for your grace to be revealed and for your comfort to come and for your healing to flow that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead would quicken people, body, soul, and spirit. We thank you for these words of encouragement. May we go and live them, I pray, in your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.